so blockbuster was the was like the the primo like family affair thing that i mentioned earlier right uh but grocery stores also did rentals too and so the albertsons near my my family's oh my old home like uh <laughs> no but the kicker is they wouldn't be like blockbuster quality as far as like the selection or whatnot but like yeah, they yeah. would carry all the old games and so yeah. like for nes you could rent a, an nes cartridge for one week for a dollar and then yeah, that's what i was gonna say their the rates were much cheaper too yeah. yeah 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 so that's why like we just rented a ton of nes games and then after a while when we got the snes uh we just rented a ton of snes games and so i never really bought an snes yeah. game i had like i again i own like seven or eight and um yeah, yeah i just remember like it was three dollars for the snes and i thought that was just insane at the time and how the hell was i going to be able to convince my mom to rent me the game from the grocery store <laughs> when it's when it's tripled in price you know <laughs> yeah. hello hello and welcome to the absolute guard podcast we're a competitive fighting game community podcast examining history and current events from the lens of the arizona grassroots scene Yes, welcome. This is episode 64. My name is Benny, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, John, who decided to uh, change up the routine today, and it's kind of throwing them off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like we're debuting the shorter intro music, so now you don't have to skip ahead 30 seconds on each start. We're also recording this uh, like a week or a day early because we're not doing it live. Um, I forget why we're not doing it live this week, but it's the holidays, so things get crazy, right? Yeah, I had some things I was trying to plan for tomorrow, and then I realized like, I think tomorrow I don't even have the day off because my due days off are actually switching this week. Oh, okay. So I have some, yeah, I have some like weird split days off this week. Like I got Wednesday, Friday off, and then next week I'll have Thursday, Friday. And oh, what speaking the of hell? Thursday, yeah, speaking <laughs> of Thursday, Friday, uh, we're actually gonna start doing our live shows on Thursday, right? Oh, that's yeah. I was trying to figure that out. We didn't for some reason. I thought we were switching to Monday, so we're gonna be doing Thursdays now. Then yeah, Thursdays. Okay. So okay. that'll debut next week. Uh, next Thursday, we're going to be talking with uh, King Hippo, a.k.a. Tanner, again. So you guys can look forward to that. I mean, kind of like stop talking about like who we had coming on and kind of just, you know, going off the cuff. But uh, that's yeah. one that you can look forward to for next week when we start on Thursdays. Yep. I uh, I was trying to figure out when the next when the schedule change would happen. But yeah, we've been that's why we haven't done them live in the past couple couple episodes i think yeah. um so we'll we'll be back to live on thursdays um yeah. same time though right like six o'clock or five o'clock uh yeah, five mountain o'clock, standard five time yeah i just say arizona time <laughs> everybody else can figure it out yeah that's kind of who our audience is right if you're listening you're yeah. probably from arizona <laughs> yeah so five o'clock thursdays is what we're looking forward to yeah my i don't know about you but my last week has been pretty pretty busy um it's pretty fulfilling though because i got to I got to visit with a lot of family and friends and you know, that was something I was, I was really looking forward to and needed, um, you know, just Thanksgiving time. And I had a wedding that I, that I attended on the previous Saturday. That was the 18th. Oh, and then I had planned to meet up. That was the third wedding. Yeah. That was three of three weddings for, to close out the year. That was the last one we had to go to after yours. So, uh, no more weddings for the rest of the year, unless somebody decides to have like a shotgun wedding between now and new year's Eve, I guess. But, uh, (laughs) um, we had that. And then, yeah, I got to meet up with some, uh, some, uh, basically my best friend's family last Tuesday. Um, I thought his nephews were just in town. 
turns out his whole family was in town his his older brother and his older sister and that caught me by surprise and i was like oh well, then i get to see everybody and i hadn't i hadn't seen everybody basically in i want to say six years since he got married wow. that was yeah that was six years ago to see like his whole family so that was a good time and then typical like thanksgiving stuff got to see all the rest of the family and friends and stuff that that we normally see so yeah i've been been a pretty busy week my sleep's kind of been all over the place yeah i imagine if you're used to working nights and then suddenly we're doing like holiday <laughs> like nine to five hours more more so right yep uh, exactly yeah my, how, was your, uh, how was your thanksgiving and stuff oh it was good it was good um i i think that this was the first uh thanksgiving that like we didn't have like a pressing thing to worry about um mm. like it, if anything the pressing thing to worry about was last month for the wedding and getting all the family uh situated for that one um and so this looked pretty easy by comparison and yeah. um i guess the the big complicating factor was like because we got married this year like we wanted to make sure that we were at both families thanksgivings and both families uh. holidays and oftentimes <laughs> it's just an, a crapshoot on timing um, yep. like we're, we're fortunate in that, uh, her family lives in Phoenix and, uh, my family has their Thanksgiving in Chandler. Um, oh, so okay. it's, it's about like a 40 minute drive, uh, between, uh, both of the houses. So we went to, uh, my family in Chandler, uh, for, for like an early, like a 1 PM lunch and then her family for like a 4 PM dinner. Um, so it was a lot of like moving, uh, a lot of driving, but it wasn't, it wasn't as bad as we thought it was going to be. Uh, so like we might end up doing it again. I'm not sure yet. Uh, yeah. I know that my family like was really big on the karaoke setup that we had at the wedding. Um, and so I'm at Christmas, I'm probably going to bust that out again for the family. So I now have a shtick for my, for my family's holiday <laughs> parties. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. Was like, yeah. You bring it up that, uh, that whole family dynamic thing after getting married. That's, that's kind of something I wrestled with too, after I first got married, because yeah. you said, you know, you mentioned Phoenix and Chandler and like 40 minutes between, like we lived, yeah. we, we literally lived in between both of our parents within like a five minute drive. And I think the toughest thing was mainly from my side was my dad had a hard time kind of letting go and kind of understanding that I had another family that, you know, gatherings that I had to attend to. Yeah. Like he was, you know, like I talked about, or I brought up, you know, you kind of changing up the routine and like, that was a real tough thing for him to deal with in the beginning. Cause it's like Thanksgiving. It was just like, are you coming here? You know, yeah. Christmas time we'd go to like midnight mass and then we'd come home, open gifts and stuff like that. And then like that first Christmas I was, he was like, are you guys coming with us? And I was just like, uh, no, I have another family to hang out with. And it really kind of like caused a little bit of a rift between us to start, but eventually we kind of, kind of all sorted it out. And once I think it was, I feel like the main thing was just my dad. It was just like, he had a hard time kind of letting go in a way. And just That's fascinating. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like I, I'm going through something similar with my family. So like, it's, it's cool yeah. to get your perspective to know that we're not alone there. Yeah. Um, Cause you, they get expectations, right? Like they expect, Oh, are you guys going to show up? And you're just like, well, yeah. you know, I have this to do too. And you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. To my family's credit, like they were, they were very much like, Hey, we're going to have Thanksgiving at this day at this time. We'd love for you to make it. Uh, and I was like, what do you mean you'd love for me to make it? I'm why not? Am I, why am I not going to be there? And then it was like, Oh shoot. It's because they don't, they might think that if there's a conflict there. Um, uh, but like a lot of the, 
I guess that's the benefit of getting married three to three weeks before Thanksgiving or four weeks before Thanksgiving is that <laughs> a lot of the like, hey, I'm giving my son away to the to a different family or being like open to having to to them experiencing a holiday and with a different family. Like a lot of that happened at the wedding anyway. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Family dynamics, man. Like, yeah, we got it sorted out. There was a time where kind of like we would alternate holidays. So like if I spent the majority of time at Thanksgiving one year with my parents, then the next year mm -hmm. it's be like, oh no, we're doing it with her parents. And yep. eventually that just, that, that kind of came to be the balance right there. It was just like, oh, well, we did this with you guys last year. And then that was kind of a fair way, you know, we'd still kind of come by and stop by, but it was for like, you know, our time was a little bit uh, more heavily weighted towards one or the other, depending on the, on the year or whatever. Yeah. It's tied to other people as well too. Like, it's like, Hey, you know, if all of your one side of the family is going to be able to make it and you're the only one that can't, you know, and then yeah. you have to coordinate that with people that you might, <laughs> the other family might not even be related to and not know anything about, you know, it's just, yeah. there's a lot there. Yeah, it's fun times though. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Eventually, like, yeah, I just, I just tried not to let it stress me out, and like, yeah, you know, just kind of trying to go forward from there. That's that's what caught me off guard about this holiday was like traveling because I, I again I, I unwittingly said yes to both sets of parents, and at that <laughs> point you can't. I, I I'm running away from the thing that you just talked about, which is like I didn't want to disappoint either set of parents by saying yep. we're not going to be there. Um. And so I was expecting this to be an extremely stressful endeavor, but by and large, it was, uh, the drive itself wasn't bad and yeah, we ate a lot of food, but I don't know, like there wasn't, uh, any kind of tension or rift or anything like that. Yeah. And, uh, the last couple of Thanksgivings, I think have been a little bit more volatile, uh, just for, for a variety of different reasons, pandemic related as well. Um, yeah. and so it's like, uh, this, this Thanksgiving just went very, very smoothly. Nothing went wrong. Everybody was super happy to see each other. There wasn't any yeah. uh, issues with availability. My sister didn't, couldn't even make it in from Texas and that was a bummer, but like we weren't torn up about it, you know? Yeah. Um, so, and I guess it's also like, it's a preview for Christmas too. Cause like, yep. we're going to see them all in a month anyway. This is the time of the year you see your family the most, right? Yep. Pretty much. <laughs> Two yeah. months in a row. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. It's just, like I said, just try to just try to keep it stress free, stress free. And then at the end of the day, like, you know, it's it's supposed to be a good time. So like try to try to, you know, keep it simple and keep it at that. And, you know, yeah. now it's not like you said, you're going to see family a lot. Like why make it a stressful or even like a, a hostile time? It's like, you know, we should be happy at these times. Agree. Agree. Yeah. And I but, think uh, that's just been a general topic for the whole world lately is just trying to figure out ways to come together and you know, not hate on yeah. each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, so I was talking to you earlier about the fact that, well, because it's episode 64, and for me, yeah. like, whatever I think of 64, my mind automatically travels to, like, Nintendo 64 and N64, whatever you want to call it, Ultra 64, and it got me thinking about, like, <laughs> just old fighting games in general, not just for the N64, but just, you know, the, the SNES and stuff like that, and yeah. I was kind of interested in kind of your background with I guess older fighting games that weren't kind of like Street Fighter. Sure, yeah. Because you know, because everybody's like, yeah, I played Street Fighter too, and I was just like, yeah, I feel like everybody played Street Fighter too. But what about some like other like obscure games and stuff that you played, like regardless of like system? Yeah, because like we were we're we always talk about stuff being in the competitive lens, right? Or like Street Fighter or Mortal Kombat or Killer Instinct or Tekken. You know, like they're gonna be 
from the competitive side, but like there's been a ton of games out there that we just haven't like ever like they they might not be good fighting games, like good balance wise <laughs> and all the mechanic breakdowns and stuff like that, but like they come at unique times in our lives and have their own sense of nostalgia. Um yeah. like I think that I didn't grow up playing Street Fighter two and it might just be because I didn't go to arcades as a kid. Um, so a lot of my first fighting game interactions, uh, on consoles and whatnot were actually pretty poor. Um, I thought that most of the fighting games I played were ass. And now I know like with with the benefit of hindsight, I'm like, now I know that they were ass because these are the good ones. The competitive ones are the good ones. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's that's the test of time, right? The ones that last. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I guess to kick it off, like for N64, I guess the first one I remember is Fighter's Destiny. Yep. Uh, I don't know that, if you got a chance to ever play that one. Uh, I, I rented that game a lot. I, I think I owned it later, but like, yeah, I remember renting that from from Blockbuster back in the day. And yeah, that's the, we're know, in the rental like, era too, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it was like, I just remember because that the, the thing that stuck out, stuck out about that game was that it was based on like a point system. Yes. Like you, you had like the you know if you had a knockdown or whatever I, f- I forget what the point system was but like you'd get two points for this or a ring yeah. out would be this and stuff like that and like you'd have to get I think it was seven points to yep. win and that's what that's what really kind of stuck out to me about that game at the time like there was a whole different kind of scoring aspect instead of just like you know beat down the vitality out of this guy. Yeah, it's 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 a different win condition and you could you could like segment out your win condition and that'll affect your Yomi in a lot of ways. Like if I know that this guy can, is trying to beat me by throwing me out of the ring because he, he only needs three points as opposed to four, like, or whatever, whatever the values were, I don't remember them off the top of my head. Like it changes, like it changes the, the mind games, which, you know, I'm saying that from a, like a competitive lens, but I didn't play that shit yeah. competitively. I didn't, I was too young to even really <laughs> nah. understand nah. what that meant. I just remember being like, Hey, if I just, I don't need to, if I if it's seven to win, and it's you know four for a ring out, and or and I only need three points to win, you know I don't need to fully KO them. I can just go for a ring out instead. You know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you can go for something something alternative. Yeah. Yeah, and otherwise it was like a Tekken Soul. It was actually more like Soul Calibur to me because it had ring outs and um it was a 3D game. Uh, it wasn't particularly good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if I would consider it like good, but I, like as a kid, like man, I had a I had a lot of fun playing that game, uh, the yeah. first one. I remember there was like a sequel that came out too. Like I don't know if that was as well received or what, mm. but like yeah, I don't I don't even barely remember touching that at all or yeah, seeing seeing it uh, very often anywhere. Sure. Yeah, and then, um, like uh, I was gonna say, did you have any experience like playing like any? SNES or like Genesis fighting game stuff at all? I mean, I know that was a little, a lot earlier, actually, a lot earlier. Nah, I think the the kicker is I didn't really own an SNES until really late in the console life cycle. Um, and I didn't, like, I owned maybe like seven SNES games total, and I don't think any of them were, <laughs> none of them were Street Fighter 2 even. Um, yeah. Yeah. So i think I, I i could probably cover the n64 era for you but i think <laughs> what what's a good what's a good snes one that you remember or or well, I mean, genesis other than, other than street fighter 2 the thing that the one that always kind of stands out to me was uh was killer instinct i mean i don't think i think we talked to, to scott about this too like the port itself was kind of crap but you know as uh, a, yeah as a i mean that was around the arcade era so it's just like that was the big thing with with Killer Instinct, because it was promoting the 
the N64, right? The Ultra 64 was what you'd always hear, like when you were in the arcade uh, around that Killer Instinct cab. But then they put it on on the SNES, and like the combo system, you know, was was basically intact from from what I understood at the time. Like you know, I know I know uh, Scott was much more into that game, so I don't know if there was things that were like mechanically changed or anything like that. But you know, the same kind of like linkers and the combo breakers and stuff like that. Uh, we're all present in that. And then oh, cool. I was back in ninety Yeah, because that that's the one that they they re released on N sixty four under Ki Gold, right? I think I remember seeing like, uh, Ki Gold think, somewhere in an. I think Ki Gold was. Ad. I think that was supposed to be. I think that was two, if I'm not mistaken. That was already oh. two. Oh, okay, my bad. Yeah. Hmm. So okay. Yeah, two two was a much much different game, but yeah, I remember that coming out and like. I wasn't really as into that game. Like I'd see it at the arcades here and there and give it a shot, but I was like, I wasn't really into that game at all. Mm. But like, I don't know when I think of like, you know, like I said, everybody played street fighter two. Right. But then mm -hmm. like you saw all these kind of like clones, like fighting, like even like down to like the character, character designs and stuff like that. Oh um, yeah. Yeah. Everybody had a Ryu like character. Everybody yeah, had a... and the, like the Japanese guy. Right. And then they had like the yeah. American guy. <laughs> Even fighters destiny had that. Right. Like they yeah. had a Guile and a, and a Ryu rip off. And then there's yeah. just usually a ninja. Usually. <laughs> yeah. There's the, yeah, ninjas, ninjas thrown in there. Then you got to throw in like a one female character for sure. <laughs> yeah. TNA as well. Usually yeah. in, in that era, TNA was pretty common. <laughs> um, yeah, I'd... yeah. I'm trying to think of other stuff because, like, I know there's other fighting games. Um, besides that, I know. Um, I've got another one. Really... If you're, yeah. Okay. Oh, uh, do you remember Clay Fighter '63 and a third? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was like I think the original Clay Fighter was on on SNES too. Oh, there we go. Original generations again. Did you play the original? Yeah. Um, I think I, I think I rented that. Man, I need to look that up now. Yeah, I think I rented that, but like, I wasn't. Other than the like. You know, at the time, a lot of it was like the mocap stuff, right? It was yeah. like, uh, or I guess I don't, this game wasn't really mocap. It was the, uh, uh, what was it called? Stop animation. Is that what it was called? Oh, uh, stop motion? Yeah, yeah. It was made motion, to look yeah. like one of those, um, uh, those like uh, the Rudolph Christmas movies or this Frosty the Snowman Christ yeah. Christmas movies. Yeah. Exactly. And there's a character called Bad Mr. Frosty in it. I think he's the main character, <laughs> too. He's the yeah. Ryu. <laughs> I mean, there you go there's a there's a costume idea for ryu yeah like, what's the inspiration for this i just remember like yeah i just remember the the characters like you said like bad mr frosty they had that the, the taffy guy yeah um, laffy taffy uh, <laughs> do you remember hobo cop hobo cop oh that's from the 64 one isn't it yeah he's from the yeah. 64 well so <laughs> you mentioned that you rented a couple of these games right and uh, yeah. i think that I think that it was either Clay Fighter or one of the other ones or both uh, that it was a it was a blockbuster exclusive. Like there was a Clay Fighter 63 and a third. And then there was oh, a really? I think it was called Sculptor's Cut or there was like a, a, a re-release of it with extra cut content. And Hobo Cop was one of them, I think. Oh, you're right. Yeah, I was actually yeah. just looking at that right now. An and the kicker version. about that. Yeah, the Sculptor, <laughs> Sculptor's Cut, though, was not released in uh in retail stores it was released uh, in blockbuster only as a blockbuster yeah. rental exclusive yeah um, oh dang yeah i didn't know that, that... <laughs> i had no idea that that was like that was it was that exclusive because i'm looking at it now and it says 
yeah, since it didn't receive wide distribution, it's one of the most rare, one yeah. of the rarest of those valuable N64 games. That's crazy. Yeah, the other one that I know that was a blockbuster exclusive, which is coincidentally also a bad fighting game, is um, I, it was the Beast Wars one. Uh, Beast Wars. Yeah, it was a, it was a Beast Wars Transformers fighting game, and <laughs> you could like transform into like uh, uh, the vehicle mode because this was like in the Transmetals era. So like yeah. they were in that in the season two designs essentially, and uh, you could transform into the vehicle. You could fight as an animal, and you could fight as a robot. And I think you had it for the game forced you to like rotate between the three forms uh, with like with like energy bars. Yeah, so that that's was pretty cra- cool. That's crazy to think about because because was the the clay fighter one that you're talking about the exclusive. They said it was released in '98, so that was that was 25 years ago. So that oh, like yeah. one that speaks to I mean not just you know not just thinking about how how long ago it was but it speaks to like how big Blockbuster was at the time because <laughs> yeah to, for your game to be a rental exclusive like that's super exclusive like I mean I don't know about the details for for regarding that but it's just like maybe they had budget problems I don't know maybe Blockbuster forked out some extra money and was like hey we only want this to be available in our stores and kind of force people to come here. It sounds a lot like uh, streaming services, doesn't it? Looks like you got kind of cut out. Oh, oh sorry. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm back. Can you hear me? You still there, John? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, you're kind of like breaking up. <laughs> okay, yeah, it might be my connection. So I'll keep recording right now, but then uh, let me mark down at 20, 22 or 20, or 22, 21, 30 or so. I need to cut this yeah. part out. <laughs> okay. All right, all right. Yeah, can you, number... yeah, your video feeds back. I think I'm back now too. Uh, so do you want to just keep going? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay. yeah, I mean, I don't know. It just speaks to like the era of of uh, blockbuster at the time because um, for the for the younger younger people that listen to our podcast, like you know, <laughs> Friday nights, you know, you go to you go to a blockbuster and pick out some movies to rent, pick out games to rent, and you know, it was it was a much different time than it is nowadays. And it could. Like, it was essentially like a family affair because he would do it in batches, right? And so you would go yeah. with your entire family, and everybody would pick something they would want. Um, yeah. And then eventually, you'd you'd have to whittle it down because somebody would come back with like ten things, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you then, gotta pick one. Pick yeah, one you gotta pick one. Yeah, or you have to yeah. share with your sister, or your brother, right? <laughs> yeah, I think though. I mean, now that I think about it, like that was my exposure to a lot of other games because, like. As a kid, I'd get like a like if I was gonna bu- get a game bought for me by my dad or my mom, right? It was like yeah. once a quarter, and I would learn that game inside and out, whatever game it was, and I would hope that it was good. Like, I'd make sure I'd be looking through like magazine reviews and stuff, and make sure that this is this is what I want like to own. But then when it came yeah. to like playing those kind of obscure games or things on the side, like Blockbuster was my outlet to do that because it was you know whatever six dollars or whatever it was to rent a game for like five days and it's just like you know i get that'd be that'd be enough for my parents to be like all right well you can you can rent this or whatever and like either i liked it or not or you know the next week would come and be like hey i want to get this again and you know it's it was basically just a way for me to to play other things you're making me remember my childhood here because like I it's earlier I mentioned like why we didn't have a console. We had a Super NES really late into the console life cycle, right? And I, mm-hmm. I couldn't f- really figure out why like while we were talking about it. And I think I just realized it. It's because um uh we had uh so Blockbuster was the 
was like the the primo like family affair thing that I mentioned earlier, right? Uh, but grocery stores also did rentals too, and so the Albertsons near my my family's oh my God, old dude. home, like uh, <laughs> no, but the kicker is they wouldn't be like blockbuster quality as far as like the selection or whatnot, but like yeah, they yeah. would carry all the old games, and so yeah. like for NES, you could rent an NES cartridge for one week for a dollar. And then, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Their, their rates were much cheaper, too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's why, like, we just rented a ton of NES games. And then after a while, when we got the SNES, uh, we just rented a ton of SNES games. And so I never really bought an SNES yeah. game. I had, like, I again, I own, like, seven or eight. And, um, yeah, oh, I just remember, like, it was $3 for the SNES. And I thought that was just insane at the time and how the hell was i going to be able to convince my mom to rent me the game from the grocery store <laughs> when it's when it's tripled in price you know <laughs> yeah and i i completely like forgot all about that stuff because like there was a a, a cars well it's like cars safeway like they merged with safeway like years later but yeah there was a grocery store called cars that i lived nearby and that you know that's where we'd go all the time you know that was the closest place for groceries and like i remember they had a, they had a video section and they had a small game section and like you said like the the selection wasn't as good but it was cheaper so it was like yeah even if it was like something you know that again that, that'd be a place to get kind of obscure stuff because like we'd grab a couple of movies and it'd be like hey uh, i guess i'll give this a shot you know and try out some some game for cheap and then like oh man like I think it was around like DVD era when when VHS was starting to get phased out for DVD, you just started seeing less rentals in general at the uh, at the grocery stores. I think it's because Blockbuster and Hollywood Video were taking over a little bit more, and then they died. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Netflix killed them like a decade later. <laughs> yeah, that's, man, that's, I remember this, uh, when DVDs. Man, it's making me think about all kinds of stuff now. Like when DVDs first came out, and people were like, "You don't have to rewind these, and you can jump to the menu. You don't have to listen, watch all these stupid previews." <laughs> yeah, you know what? We start every episode by talking about like introducing our guests, and we clearly don't have a guest today. So I just wanted to like let let all of our listeners know, like we're talking about like Benny's like this reminds me of everything. We're talking about everything. This is our Thanksgiving leftovers right. episode. <laughs> <laughs> so. That's funny too, because I introduced the podcast as the competitive fighting game po community podcast. That's a new thing. But <laughs> oh well, <laughs> we're talking about grocery stores now. <laughs> yeah, renting renting video games from grocery stores <laughs> and Blockbuster yeah, too. Yeah, Blockbuster. Man, it's like so much, so much stuff. I'm just thinking about. Yeah, like I said, when I think of the 64, man, like it just starts. It start. I just started reminiscing about consoles and stuff like that because, like, yeah, I had a, I had my one of my best friends growing up. Like, yeah, he had the, I had the NES, the SNES, and the N64. I didn't have any other consoles up until about like 2000, and he's the one that had like the Genesis, and then he had the PlayStation, and then he had all the other stuff. So like we take turns going to each other's houses and playing games, and like. I don't know. It makes me think like, um, what was that one game on the Genesis we played? Um, What's it called? I think it was Eternal Champions. Oh, Man, that's a that's a that's that an sounds game. familiar. Actually, I think I've heard of that. Yeah, I remember like there was a time when we would just like play. You know, we you know we would just play against each other all the time, right? And then sure, I think we figured out like kind of like stage fatalities in that game, and then all of a sudden it was just like. 
how do we do these like stage fatalities? <laughs> yeah. Like I remember like a fan in the background at one level and stuff like that. So we'd be, we'd be like purposely just playing for real. And then like all of a sudden it's just like, all right, let me do this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's in a lot of ways, that's what fighting games are to the vast majority of people is that like, they're a, here's a cool thing. And I want to try to do that cool thing. And it's like, that cool thing could even be, it could be a special move. It could be a cinematic move. It could be a stage finisher. It could be all these different. It's all always about like trying to recreate those scenarios so you could execute the cool move, right? Yeah, yeah I, just, I just happened to look that up. That's actually on Steam for ninety nine cents. Oh man, <laughs> you're going. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot of those Genesis games are on 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 PC emulation nowadays, huh? I, I may yeah. need to go buy that. Just play, oh man, play with my son. I mean, like, hey, this is what I was playing in fucking <laughs> like the nineties, man. Holy crap. You know, I, again, not super fighting game related, but like I've been on a kind of nostalgia gaming kick, uh, the past mm -hmm. couple of, uh, weeks, I think, uh, I think it was two weeks ago, right? Super Mario RPG remake came out and, uh, yeah. that's a game that I've been playing. Uh, I play it like once every, maybe not once a year, but like once every two years, uh, just like I bust out the SNES or I buy it. I think I bought it on the virtual console for the Wii, so I busted out the Wii one year. Um, yeah. And uh, I just replay that game all the time uh, because it's like a comfort game. It's a really quick game. I know I know how to play it really well. I know where all the secrets are, uh, but it's yeah. also just really enjoyable to revisit every every couple of years. Uh, so to have it remade, I basically just did my usual run and ran through it again, but just this time fancier and with the remake. And it's very good. Um, I, I will say anyone who's interested in the remake, like there, it's not gonna, it's not Final Fantasy VII remake. Uh, you're yeah, not gonna, it. it's not a brand new game like FS7 remake actually is. Um, like, F, there's stuff I don't even want to spoil either game. So yeah, that's that's where I'll, where I'll go. So after that, I bought Mario Wonder, and then I got distracted by the Pokemon trading card game, which was on the Virtual Console on the Switch. And uh, <laughs> for those of you who aren't familiar with the Pokemon trading card game for game boy like my wife wasn't uh it's basically an rpg where you play cards and you get to you, play, you build pokemon card decks and you like travel to different gyms and win uh, car, uh card games so it's like pokemon but without a lot of the filler uh like having okay. to walk to and from each uh town or each gym and it's instead it's replaced by built it's replaced with building decks which i like doing um so it was like the original um uh have you ever played inscription inscription uh I have it's not. it's a newer roguelike deck builder game called it's a horror themed game but it's uh, it's weird because it's got this really like dark like dark atmosphere but the game is basically pokemon trading card game it's like a like a homage to it uh the second act is so like it was on my mind already and then i bought like or then i uh uh I went a step further and I, I got some extra uh, uh, tips on how to how to get uh, acquire a Pokemon trading card game two, which is a Japanese only release with a fan translation. And I ran through that and it's really good. So <laughs> I have been hella nostalgia gaming lately. Uh, so I can relate to yeah. you a little bit there. <laughs> nice, nice. Like, I mean, personally, like I haven't been playing. I mean, other than the time that I was playing Street Fighter six, like. I really like I've been wanting to play other things like um I don't know I just I'm weary, I'm weary about kind of like getting getting into something just because like I'm busy doing like the flight school stuff right now so it's just like 
yeah. I don't want to like jump into something because like I I played Street Fighter Six for the first time in a, the a couple of days like yesterday, and then uh, next thing I know it was like almost two hours later and I'm just like I should have stopped like an hour ago. I was like, damn uh, it. <laughs> yeah, I feel so, like when the game came out, it was brand new. We were like, you know what? We'll just put in the extra hours. It's too fun. But now the responsibilities of life are catching up, right? <laughs> yeah. So now we're yeah. like, okay, I guess I won't play for the entire night. Yeah. I don't know. I think I just, I just need to discipline myself and just, you know, just be better about that. I talked to my, I talked to my son about that all the time. Like, you know, play an hour here and then go do something else, like clean the house up or whatever, and then come back and play. <laughs> like yeah. I need to do stuff like that or just treat it kind of like a reward. Like, you know, do this, do this much of schoolwork or whatever, uh, review yeah. this stuff for like an hour and then, you know, give myself, give myself some leisure time and, and play that way. I mean, I've seen people do that with push-ups too. Like they'll play a little bit yeah. and then work out and then play a little bit and then work yeah. out. Um, you know, I see people like, punish themselves all the time doing that. Like if I lose, I got to do 20 push-ups. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I, I wouldn't go that far, but like, like there, there is a, like a degree of like, Hey, we just make it a routine. Yeah. Um, so then you don't think about it as an activity that's taking up your time. It's just more of like, Hey, this is something that I'm doing. Like the podcast is a good example for us. Right. Where it's like, yeah. this is something that's going to happen once a week. We do, we do vary it sometimes like today, but fundamentally it always happens. And so we plan yeah. around it and then you end up magically finding the time for it as opposed to street fighter where it's like, well, I'll play it some other time. And then you never fucking do. Right. <laughs> that's what I'm at. <laughs> I haven't really played it seriously since Evo. And like, I've just been yeah. screwing around for the past couple of months. No, realistically I, I've been, we got married. So that's, that's my, that's my actual. Reason. <laughs> um, no, that's fair though. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I think the other thing with, uh, I was thinking about also when I was thinking about all, all the old consoles and stuff like that is like, um, when I was looking up some stuff about like best fighting games on on this console or whatever, right? Yeah. A lot of times, like things that get uh, the the other genre that gets categorized into that is like the beat 'em ups, like oh uh, yeah, Double Dragon yeah. or what was that other game? Co uh, Combo Tribes. Like I've seen stuff like the Final Fight. Like people will put that in the fighting game category, and I'm just like, that's not a fighting game. Oh man, are you talking about the Game Awards? Like you, well, no, just like the, last year, there was that kerfuffle about best. The award wasn't called best fighting game. The award was called best fighting. Oh, and then they put like they put like beat 'em ups or like Devil May Cry like games in into that category. And then like, yeah. you know, like uh, I think Smash Ultimate or something was in there. And of course, it won. There was like an easy or Mortal Kombat or there's some like heavy hitter that was in there that clearly won. Yeah. Um, it might even have been Multiverses. I think Multiverses won Game of the Year. And that didn't turn out so hot. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't really follow those like, game awards. Man, Multiverses was the one that had like Batman and and Shaggy and stuff in it, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, their their unique spin on it was that it came out. Everybody was hyped about it. Then they everybody dropped it because we moved on to the next thing. And yeah. then they said. Thanks for participating in our open beta test, guys. We'll let you know when the full release happens. And they took oh, the game right. down. Yeah. yeah. And it wasn't like it wasn't like with Rumbleverse where it was very clearly like, hey, there's business reasons that we have to cancel the game and the studio's still alive. This was just like, hey, we were just, this was just an open beta. And I think people were really pissed about that because a lot of them paid money for it. They they like the yeah. game took their money. Um and it seems a little shady because it's like, hey, this is a you never told us there was a closed beta. This is like a weird like way to to 
shut the game down and then maybe bring it back later and make people rebuy it or something like it's yeah like it strikes me as like there's some vc stuff involved but i don't even know if that's actually true if it's a warner brothers game so who knows uh yeah i don't know just like i don't know yeah i always find it funny when people like categorize the like the beat-em-ups and stuff as fighting games because like i mean yeah you know yeah they're fighting i mean but it's not the same thing because i think I mean, sometimes there's been branches off of, of uh, or spinoffs. Like I think Double Dragon had a had a fighting game. What was it Double Dragon V or Five? I don't know if they called it Five. I think that was a super an SNES game. Yeah, and it was and it was like a more traditional fighting game kind of thing. But I think like I don't know. I mean, there are beat 'em ups that are like more advanced. Like I don't know if you've ever played. Uh, uh, have you played Fight and Rage? No, no i don't think okay, so. so that's so that's on steam like i remember going to tgz one time and like somebody was playing it at one of the on one of the the, the stations right and i was like okay. really kind of like captivated by it and i was like watching it because it's like you know you could it's obvious it's a beat-em-up right you could see the scrolling action and all like that the multiple enemies but then they were doing like these like crazy looking combos you know like if you played you know if you played final fight it's like mash attack and he does an auto combo right that's literally the game right it's nothing nothing special you could you know walk up and grab people stuff like that but there's nothing like super advanced mm-hmm. and then yeah like fight and rage like i ended up like you know trying to remember like what it looked like i didn't you know i was a little too shy to like ask like what they were playing or whatever and then i found it on steam and like there's like a whole like there's a lot of depth into that game like a like a juggle system and everything they have a like a trial mode or like a combo um yeah, combo trial mode where they kind of like put you in a in a ring and they're like here do this combo and it's like fighting game motions like you got to throw you know hit somebody off a wall and then there's like quarter circle motions and stuff like that and i'm just like yo this is pretty fun yeah i it's it's always interesting like having those games that are like they're clearly not very developed but then you just find that gem that's like suddenly really deep and it yeah. might still have some rough edges but like I don't know. That's different than like bells and whistles, like cinematics and stuff, because I think a lot of fighting games went that direction where they just were like, okay, we need to go more bells and whistles and more cinematics, like Mortal Kombat versus DC universe or something. Right. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And I, I don't know. I, not to just randomly throw shade at an obscure Mortal Kombat game. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What was my point? Uh, Oh yeah. I was thinking about, um, Dragon Ball, it was Dragon Ball. Uh, it might have just been called Dragon Ball Z, like there was a like or Dragon Ball the Fighters or something. It was a it was a game that like it was a 3D fighting game, like a Tekken style fighting game, but it had like really really deep mechanics to it, which were very different than normal Dragon Ball fighting games, which are kind of like beat 'em ups realistically. Um, yeah. But apparently the fan base found that it was too hard to play and people didn't like people still play it competitively today. Like you'll find like a random Japanese stream of, you know, that turn a tournament going on. You'll see it on Will It Kill yeah. even. Um, <laughs> but uh, it was uh, it, it was very poorly received because it was too hard. <laughs> and so you have like this unique problem where like the game has to be accessible enough for Dragon Ball fans, but it has to be interesting enough for fighting game fans. And that's what makes the yeah. Dragon Ball Fighters released by Arxis and, and Bandai Namco so strong. 
Uh, yeah. But one of the predecessors to that or precursors to that was this Dragon Ball game I'm talking about. I think it was called The Fighters. Okay. Yeah, nah, like, no, the, no, it wasn't. Now that you bring, now that you bring up the, the Dragon Ball, uh, uh, you know, fight, Fighters or Fighter Z or whatever people call yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, I've seen something recently in terms of, like, the anime fighting games because that's the first one like you know that had a kind of like a license to it i think and was adapted by by arxis into like a traditional fighting game right yeah like, typically when it comes to anime and they say oh we're gonna make a fighting game it's yeah. one of those 3d arena ones like, yeah uh, do you consider you... arena battlers fighter fighting games um i don't know like are we like the only one like I've seen various ones like Kill a Kill and uh, the Naruto yeah. games are, are notorious for that, right? Like those have been how those games are. Ultimate like we Ninja bought Storm, the, right? uh, yeah. yeah, 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 Ninja Storm. Um, we bought like the Demon Slayer one. Like we have that on Steam, but like, you know, me and my son were playing that, but then I'm just like, ah, oh, man, like this would have been so cool if it was like a 2D fighting game, but it's just like one of these kind of generic arena ones. And like, I'm seeing a lot of pushback from stuff i've seen on social media about that because they released i don't want to say it was it wasn't demon slayer it was a there was a recent anime one that was coming out and then they showed it i think it was um what's the i forgot the name but it's uh what's the acronym jjk um oh jk rolling <laughs> no, 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 no. The um... oh, Jujutsu, Jujutsu Kaisen or whatever. Oh yeah, that's the one. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the one that they've made. They're making that into an, uh, an arena fighter as well. And like, I remember, pe you know, people were looking forward to seeing what it looked like. And then sure enough, it's the the 3D behind the view, and they're just like, oh man, another one of these. Like, come on, you guys gotta <laughs> stop making this crap, right? Like, yeah, you know, give, us, give us another, give us another Dragon Ball Fighters. Because like, the Kill a Kill one that you mentioned earlier was published by Arc System Works. And so Kill a Kill fans like myself were so excited because we're like, Arc System is making a Kill a Kill fighting game? Fuck yeah. yeah. And then Arena Battler. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, it was just like... <laughs> so it's it's kind of funny you bring up the thing about the accessibility because like, you know, most people when they see 2D fighting games, like they're not super accessible, right? Right. Like that's not... Right. That's, that's, it's more complex. But then like these Arena Fighters... Like you said, they're they're more um, cinematic type stuff, and yeah. you know, I guess that that appeals more to like the the kind of casuals and whatnot. And it's not like it's not what we want. I just when you, when you talk about that kill a kill game, all I remember is G loaded that up on the Switch or something, and we were playing it, and I got hit by some like move where it looked like, like literally it looked like the guy, uh, it looked like the guy's penis like stuck out, like it was a robot move, and like it just came out, and I was just like. What is this? And why did oh, I yeah, just that's die important. to this? Yeah, oh, was it a, was it a big battleship? Or was it was know. it or did or was it did he turn into a mummy and have a bunch of whips and like a little thing in his mouth? Um, I don't remember. I remember I posted it. I posted it on, on Instagram or something because I was laughing so hard about it when he did that. And I was like, what is this move? And he like just thrust it at me and then this huge metal appendage just comes out and I'm like, What? <laughs> yep, that sounds that sounds like uh Gamagori. <laughs> I think honestly, man, that that show is so cool because there's a lot of there's a lot of dicks and there's a lot of TNA. I keep talking about TNA, and it's it's on purpose because the word fascism, written in Japanese, starts with the same letters as the word fashion. Uh, you say fasho and fasho, like so. It's 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 like they literally mash together how fashion and fascism could correlate together and the freedom of being nude. 
So that show is my favorite wow. anime of all time. And it's the show that I'm, I know. I, so I tell people that my favorite anime is the Grand Lagan show that, that uh, Studio Trigger is known for, or the people are known for. And, mm. uh, but my real favorite one's Kill a Kill. Kill a Kill is a great show. <laughs> it's so good, that, dude. <laughs> that puts that puts that whole sequence into a little bit better perspective because I'm not super huge into anime, but like, yeah, yeah that whole <laughs> that whole sequence and the way that I got hit by it, I was like, it just kind of like, it literally like I rolled back in my in my seat or whatever I was doing at the time, and I'm just like, what is this? <laughs> yeah, and for people who don't know what Kill a Kill is, the guys who made the um or the guys and gals who made the cyberpunk anime that's on Netflix that everybody blew their loads over last summer, um. That one is the same. It's the same studio or the same uh, artists and and storyline directors and everybody else uh, working on. Uh, they worked. They did Kill a Kill before that, and they did they did a couple other big ones too. Um, but oh. Kill a Kill is my favorite. Nice. I might have to. I might have to look into that. I don't know. Studio I'll Trigger. My, I'll yeah. Add it to my backlog of things that I may never watch. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. And then uh, we were we we're talking about gaming and and I uh, the another fighting game that like like a lot of these fighting games I would never ever play again for for the, for the record yeah. like um uh, one that really took over my my N sixty four life was Super Smash Brothers sixty four which yeah I guess that's the ST of my N sixty four era in a lot of ways yeah um, well, I, mean, I guess I started as a Smash player. Yeah, that's the original Smash Brothers. A lot of people forget about that one because they yeah. yeah, automatically think about the uh, the GameCube, right? Yeah, the GameCube one's the like, one where the competitive scene really started blossoming. Yeah, but... a lot of people forget. Like, yeah, it was on the original was on sixty four. <laughs> yeah, and that game was. I had no idea like about like the uh, basic fighting game concepts like startup and recovery or anything. I was just you know hitting buttons. Yeah. Uh, yep, that was but, me. Like, yeah, like it was. I think, I think that game was fucked up. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff about that game that you're like, I look back on it now with like a mechanics lens, and I'm like, ooh, that was yeah. messed up. Like a lot of anything that Kirby did, uh, and anything that Pikachu did, uh, like it was just constant hit stop, and so it'd like lock the game up whenever you do like a multi hit move, and you could just stun lock the shit out of people. Um, <laughs> it had a lot of the same like mechanics that uh, that. Uh, uh, melee was known for like it had like the dodge rolling and stuff like that but it also had like l canceling uh now i'm getting the mechanics stuff because yeah. i know that game pretty well it's like where you could you could come down with a button and then uh hit the l button which was your trigger button on the n64 controller hit the l button to uh as soon as you land and you'd have like no recovery so which is essentially like a um like a marvel character there's yeah. a lot like like Wolverine dive kick essentially. You could do that with Link. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Oh, I remember what I wanted to mention uh, before we got away from the 3D fighters was um, to tie it back to the Arizona community for a little bit. Uh, around the era when Marvel was Marvel three was big, and I was going to that uh, going to casuals regularly, there was mm-hmm. uh, one person that was always trying to like be like, "Can you bring your PS3? Can, can we get?" some extra monitors and some extra PS3s. And it's like, we were like, setups are kind of the hard to find already at the, at the time. Cause we were just getting into like lagless setups, like LC, like Evo monitor setups, which was the 120 Hertz of that time, I guess. Um, yeah. And uh, so 
But so we were like, why would you want all that extra stuff? And it it turns out they really wanted to push Gundam Versus on the PS3. And it had the unique thing where you could you had the only way you could play the game, there was no split screen on the game. You could only do it by networking the two PS3s together. And they would play over the network and each person would have their own view of the 3D arena, which is another reason why 3D battlers or 3D arena battlers are hard to uh, incorporate in the fighting game scene is because you don't, they you don't side by side. Yeah. I think, I think Pokin is the only one that does it and it does it in a jank way. So like a lot of um, people do like they, you have to have two, two systems and two monitors and then two separate play areas for players to play that game. <laughs> Um, so it just it takes up a lot of extra room. It's a lot of extra electronics to buy and stuff like that. But there was a guy in the local scene that was really trying to push Gundam versus for a while. There's a guy who was trying to push Naruto Ultimate Ninja Storm too. Uh, <laughs> uh, that was one of the the shadier tos that we warned about on previous episodes. But <laughs> yeah, no, that's yeah, that's. I mean, like you said, that's that's more setups, right? Because I mean, if you need two PS3s and two monitors for for one setup, like yeah. that's a that's a TO's nightmare right there because that's like that's that's typically two setups for me right there. I could run you know two matches yeah. in a bracket right there, and yeah. you need that for one match. Like yeah, good luck. It impacts time too, right? Like yeah. now that setup is occupied, and I could like you said a setup that would serve two people on a Pokemon station now I could serve four people on a Street Fighter station. You know. Yep. Oh man, that sounds that sounds like a logistical nightmare. <laughs> But that game's pretty big because, like, I've seen like when I've gone to some of these like uh, anime conventions and stuff like that, and they have like the cab set up. Like, those, that's one of the games that people are always like gravitating to is those like twin stick, those twin stick games, that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean they're cool and impressive and fun to play. Um, I think they even do like a regular thing at Evo too, like the side events. Or I don't know if it's that exact game, but there's I always see like a Gundam game in their side events. Oh yeah. Yeah, like I, uh, there was a kill a kill game there, uh, tournament side tournament there. I remember like it was I was going to cheer Scott on for Street Fighter Cross Tekken uh, mm. one year. It wasn't even this. It wasn't even this year. It was last year, and I walked by. There's a kill a kill setup, uh, and there was a guy <laughs> who's who was cosplaying like kill a kill. So that like they had the they had the little red streak on their hair, which is a a, a mark that the main character has. So ah. Uh. Yeah, I, don't know I mean, <laughs> if, if you can pick a game, there's a side tournament for it at Evo, man. Yeah, yeah, that's your game's only dead if nobody's playing it, right? Like, I mean, yeah. if you're the one holding the community up, I mean, more power to you, man. It's just like, oh, oh man. <laughs> Shout outs to the cross Tekken scene. They are that game should, by all accounts, be dead because uh, nobody yeah. played it. It has a really bad reputation. Uh, unfounded yeah. in my opinion and it still is pretty awesome there are people that chose to go back to that game rather than four and i thought that, that was really interesting oh really yeah I'm thinking about like brent think yeah he's a he's a good example of like a cali player that just got really good at cross there's a lot of players that i just they just learned cross randomly um, yeah well i mean sometimes you just you just find that game that like you know it just it just uh just i'm trying to think of the word uh you just i guess you just kind of mesh with it or it's just you know just something yeah. you have fun with i mean at the end of the day it's like if you have fun playing a game like regardless of how jank it is or how whatever it is how hard it is like if you're having fun with it i mean yeah yeah and fun is like having fun and what people want out of games is great. like i think 
when I when I pick up a game, I like I really like mechanical depth and like mm -hmm. how that plays into like the mind game stuff, but mainly the mechanical depth. Like I like being able to rather than play rock, paper, scissors with you, I'd like to be able to pull out a different option altogether and surprise you with that, yeah. which is I think that's just a player archetype thing. You're thinking um, like this bomb, like this isn't a rock, this is a bomb. Like what? It's like we don't have bombs and rock, paper, scissors, John. Yeah. Come on. It's a bomb, and it's 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 a bomb that needs to be diffused, and you probably don't know how to diffuse it. It's got a hard counter, and you can you can diffuse it, but good luck diffusing it. That's the style of play that I like, right? Um, yeah. And uh, so I I gravitate towards games that have like high combo route route ability. Um, high, like team games in particular have a lot of variance in combo ability because you can just change your team, and suddenly all your B and Bs change. Yeah. Um, I think that maybe that's the Marvel in me. But I don't want to play a team. I also don't want to learn three characters. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I saw something a tweet about something like that recently. Oh, it was regarding KOF because, oh, yeah. like, uh, I think the idea was like a lot of people want to play KOF, but then the the downside is like I don't want to learn three characters. And I think um, who was it that replied? I think it was James Chen. James Chen was the one that came back and was just like, well, if you think about it, the older games like the combos weren't as as advanced as they are now right like if you look at like what did it start with kof 13 with all of those like uh max cancels and all that stuff right yeah. like that to me is intimidating like i see that and i'm just like holy shit you want me to learn three characters like this right versus playing like st or you know even hyper fighting is more is a more kind of basic fighting game right it's mm -hmm. like learning three characters in hyper fighting and playing that way like you know kof whatever 98 and the games that came out at that time that's a lot, you know, for me, that's a lot easier to do than to be like, all right, I want you to learn KOF 13, learn all these trials, learn all these max cancels and all this stuff. And I want you to learn that for three characters. Mm. Like that's, that's very daunting to me. Like, yeah. I, that actually kind of brings up an interesting topic to me is, um, do you think that older games are easier or harder than newer games? Well, I would say, like in terms of like the the basics and like the controls and like just you know kind of the the length of combos i would say they're easier in that sense like execution wise they might not be as easy like you know if i if i played marvel i could do you know i don't know what i, I don't really want to like equate it to like number of hits because that's kind of trivial right but it's like sure but i could do like launch combos in the in the super in the dhc in the this right but you know and then like in an older game it might just be something like all right well i just need to do like you know uh like two mediums and like a special or something like that right or like a low forward super or something like that and that's a that's a much easier thing in my mind to do and to kind of learn and and build a team around and to you know to learn all this other stuff so I'd but, say, like, I don't know, I think the execution barrier might be harder just because of, like, like the windows to do things, I think, were a lot tighter in some games. Okay. So, yeah. like, the, uh, input leniency, or I don't know what you'd call that. Yeah, that's that's the kicker, is do you weigh the ability to execute higher than combo complexity, which is, I think, what, what you were yeah, talking about earlier, right? that's a good one, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and... Because like you hear that discourse all the time on the internet, it's like oh, older games are, were harder, right? Back in my day, I had to you know do two quarter circles uphill in the snow, you know, both ways. <laughs> uh, but like, 
on the flip side, you have people like Scott who are like, no, the newer games are harder because there's so much extra depth to them, right? Yeah. And I don't, I don't actually know where to put that because um, I think the old games are hard, but like, I think that you're correct in that they had the characters had less complexity to them. But yeah. on the flip side, like they had proximity normals and shit, like they were complex in different ways. You yeah. Know? Like yeah, like, like, like I feel like it's they weren't as in depth in terms of like knowing like needing to know like optimal combo routes and stuff like that. A lot of times yeah. it was like this is like your most optimal combo. This is what you should be doing at this time, right? Whereas like, I mean, I don't know. Maybe maybe there's more depth to it than that. But like to me, that's on, on a surface level. That's what I look at. Is like, oh, you do this this combo when you jump in or whatever. Whereas now it's like, well, I got to do this and then I got to figure out like. How much meter i have and what's going to give me the best oki situation and then you know all this other stuff so that uh, that gets me thinking though like isn't that stuff still relevant in the old games in its own way like yeah like you don't have the drive meter right but like even in five like i had to worry about like whether or not they had v trigger active and that changed my bnb right mm-hmm. uh and in and i imagine in cvs like you you changed your your no i don't think you did really it was kind of I don't know, actually. Not I'm about not it. too well versed in the in like the CBS games and stuff like that, but I don't know if I'm. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, I know that the you know Oki and things like that were still you know obviously still, excuse me, still present in like the older games, but it's like sure, yeah. I guess I guess the the way to get there was a lot simpler in some ways. Yeah. Uh, I guess if you want to put it that way. But there are like little things like hit confirms, right? Like hit confirms are like really important in the modern games but less so i think in older games and hit confirming is hard I, like in yeah. older games i think you could just do like low forward and fireball and you do it on block or on hit it doesn't matter right you wouldn't have to like do a yeah. bunch of links or a jab like in four or like a strong like in five or a drc yeah. you wouldn't have to do all that stuff to figure out if it hits or not you know you would just do yeah. it and then it would either hit or not yeah <laughs> yeah that was a lot of a lot of safe stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Do you do you wonder like, is it really that the games are more deep now, or is it just that information travels more? Like if if a if a game like Third Strike came out today, you know, would we? I don't know. Actually, I, I think I'm just kind of blowing smoke. <laughs> uh, either way, I think. Uh, I think. I, 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 I frequently wonder about whether or not older games were actually harder. Um, and I think executionally where they were, and that almost functions as like an RNG element in a way. Cause that's yeah. like the combos were so hard that you couldn't do them as consistently and you couldn't bank on them and build entire strategies around them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I don't know if they're, yeah, I don't know if games to the games today are necessarily more in depth. I think it's, I don't know. Or, I mean, you talk about, like, uh, information traveling faster. Like, I feel like that really helps out in terms of kind of, like, the game evolving. Yeah. Like, the game will evolve a lot faster because of that, right? Like, people will find something that's that's really high damage or some kind of setup, and people are, like, you know... Uh, so, it gets, I guess it gets, it gets implemented into the, into the game faster... And then yeah. people obviously have to find counters to it much faster. So like you start seeing like the the game the game itself evolve faster. Yeah, I think by the same notion, I think we might have just figured it out. Like if you um, 
if you make if if combos are so hard to do that you can't do them consistently then what's going to happen is you're going to gravitate to the combos that you can do consistently and yeah. in by that nature you're you are just like like objectively reducing the amount of options that your character has you're forcibly simplifying them because the rest of the, like those those like one frame super jump cancel links might actually give you the same oki that like a street fighter five or six would do like they, those all those combo routes might still be there they just might not be practical and because they're practical not practical then it becomes limiting and the character just gets reduced in scope in scope and complexity because you just rule that yeah. option out right maybe that's why people think games are, are were simpler back then it's because so much shit was too hard to do that you wouldn't view yeah. it as viable you know yeah, well, I mean, they, I mean, it goes it goes back to that whole thing with like the soccer combos and stuff like that, right? Like, yeah, is this possible? Yes. Is it is it necessary? Um, for most people, no. Like, it's more of a kind of like a style option, or you know, I can do this kind of thing. Um, yeah, because like, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think because you think of soccer combos, I always think of four, right? And like, the the damage scaling in that game was so. Um, eventually, you got to the point to where it was just like you're just showing off at this point, right? yeah um if you were doing doing some crazy stuff whereas like in the older games like some like if you look at the damage output in some of those older games like it's ridiculous like why are you gonna go for something you know that that takes this long to do that much damage when i can i can do the same thing with like what four hits or whatever right and it's just like like you said like it reduces it down like your your b and b's and stuff become you know pretty much like all you really need yep like and depending I'll, I'll on like... the game the the fact that you bring up Sako combos in particular, that's a really good point. Because um, Sako, the reason, well, the original Sako combos, my understanding is that they were from Vampire Savior, so the second Dark Stalkers, mm. and uh, Sasquatch. There were combos that only Sako could do, like nobody else could really do them. That's why they started calling them Sako combos because Sasquatch is really hard to play apparently, um, and so the character might not have been complete like viewed as a complete character otherwise without those combos and so it's like uh, Sako strikes me as somebody that was playing Street Fighter 6 before Street Fighter 6 came out like <laughs> as in he's like he's like I'm going to optimize no matter what uh yeah. and and cut through that execution barrier but to to the layman like it we just didn't consider the, a lot of these options you know yeah. even in I mean, 4 we had yeah. a little bit of that, right? So we just wouldn't go for some one framers sometimes. Yeah. Or yeah, like, like we just mean, do jab combos, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I go back to thinking like, uh, I mean, even even today, like you know, you see certain combos, and like usually the first the first thought is like, one, what's the damage output, and then how much resources did you have to use to do that, right? Yeah. Like that's 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 your baseline right there, right? And it's just yeah. like. Well, you used all these resources to get that damage. I can do the same thing and use half as much. Yeah, but it doesn't look look as cool. But okay, but we're doing the basic, basically the same thing. So unless there's some other kind of advantage I'm getting out of this, like there's not really a big incentive for me to do that. Yeah, and even then, if they, someone were to give you that advantage, like re, like write it down and tell you, like you'd have to weigh that over the risk of dropping it, right? Yeah, exactly. And yeah. That advantage might not be big enough. Like, I I think that that's what that's what drive meter is supposed to emulate in this in six. Um, it's supposed to emulate, emulate an execution barrier that doesn't actually exist because people don't, people get mad when there's an execution barrier, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I think that's, 
it's almost like um i find myself doing that a lot too like in um when i play like if i if i go for this combo that i know is like the optimal thing and then i drop it the next time i have that opportunity i might second guess myself and you know what let me do the one that i'm more comfortable doing even if it does less damage just because i can i can consistently hit this one right yep. so it's just like yeah it's it, you know it's it's one of those things that you know, obviously that's all happening in real time i'm not like you know hold on pause here i think i'll do this right now right it's like oh shit, right. opportunities here let me do this instead i'm gonna stick with the stable one right which is yeah. what you do in the older games and that's why yeah. suddenly we like I, I like genuinely think that we might be onto something there as far as like <laughs> simplicity in older fighting games is more due to the execution barrier rather than design by design yeah. i think that the characters were designed with a lot of those different options a lot of them were accidents like a lot of that yeah, game, yeah. those older games just had broken shit because it was easier to release a new version of the game than it was to patch it you know um yeah but i uh our our retroactive look at a retrospective look at 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 older games with the modern game lens maybe they have the just the same amount of depth it's just they're too hard <laughs> yeah <laughs> gotta get those macro controllers and stuff like that <laughs> yeah. well, i mean i mean that makes me think because like i remember a lot of those like combo videos would be like this is a tool assisted one right yeah so they'd have yeah. one of those like snes um I don't think it was Madcats. Maybe it was a Madcats pad or whatever brand it was that you could program macros into. And, you know, in terms of like the inputs nowadays, like you don't ever see tool assisted really. It's like you see desk. Like, oh, I don't know the last time. videos. Yeah. Yeah. Like nowadays I don't see like, I see people doing the combos. It's not like, Hey, I need, I need something to help me do this because this is so freaking hard. Right. Like this yeah. is basically humanly impossible. Like you said, like the, like the execution barrier is so hard that it's it's almost impossible for me to do this consistently. So I need the help of this controller or these macros. Whereas and nowadays then, it's just like, yeah, I could do this. It's it kind of reminds me of um uh Overwatch of all games. Uh oh, really? because Overwatch has a character named Soldier 76, and when mm -hmm. he uses his special power, he homes in on everybody, right? Yeah. Uh that's that's an aimbot. That's like a like a like a, like people would hack their games in Counter Strike and then just do make it point to them automatically. They basically just yeah. said, "Here's a mechanic that we'll just make it and give them an aimbot for a super." Right? <laughs> and that's what auto combos are for fighting games, right? It's like, yeah. yeah, people got tired. This shit was too hard to do. So, and then people were like making macros instead, where they just had to hit a button over and over again to, to execute them. Like a single button. Yeah. That's what a fucking auto combo is. That's what a target combo yeah. is. Like I think the developers figured out that people were doing that. It might not be actually related, but fundamentally, like, like the the ways people got around uh, the uh, the the execution barrier in fighting games ended up getting canonized into fighting games later on, which is similar to like <laughs> cancels and stuff like that. Uh, that's yeah. fascinating. <laughs> oh man. We're doing like an archaeology dig here, but another example <laughs> of um, another example of tool assisted though. You mentioned you don't see it very often, and that caught me off guard because uh, in Street Fighter Six right now, there's a lot of conversation about cheating, and there are auto combo macros, and there are auto DIs and auto parries, and we haven't really talked about them on the show yet. And I was curious about like, you know, we could take a look at it even from the lens of like. Uh, as when we were kids playing these older games right it's like what what constitutes cheating 
in in today's day and age and then like why are like you don't seem to like the fact that we haven't talked about like these cheaters on street fighter 6 up until like the game's been out for six months it kind of shows yeah. to me that it doesn't really we don't really care about that and i wanted to examine why we don't care about that. <laughs> hmm. i mean i don't i don't i wouldn't say that i don't care about it i guess it's because maybe we're not bothered is a better way to i put don't it. i don't play in as many online tournaments as a lot of these other players do and yeah. like you know obviously the 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 capcom pro tour that's been a lot of talk of, in terms of like the the online stuff right the online qualifiers and things like that and i think that's where a lot of the the concern stems from is because this is literally the pathway to a potential million dollars right it's not yeah. just any old you know tampa never sleeps tournament or anything like that right like these are tournaments to potentially get you into into a huge tournament like that's you know your ticket into into that tournament which is supposed to be um you know something difficult to do right it's not supposed to be something that the the normal person should be able to do so it's like i wouldn't say that i'm unbothered by it. it's just more like it's just i don't know i guess it's not really on my on my radar in terms of stuff because that's not where my where my time is spent like my time has been spent just playing ranked and just playing battle hub and playing playing with friends so like there's not a necessarily a concern for that because like i mean who knows maybe i have run into people in rank that are doing that and i just have no clue but yeah. at the end of the day it's ranked and like you know there's a little part of me that wants to win but then there's a part of me that's just like you know i'm just playing other people right like it's not a tournament so there's the the stakes aren't as high okay yeah that makes sense I you don't like if you were to run into like an auto parry or auto di kind of person do you think would you like would you one and done them would you play uh, it out I would play it out and I would test everything that I could possibly do just to see like, how it works see. right yeah just, let me just see can he is he gonna block this is he gonna auto parry this yeah and like if it's happening consistently of course I'm gonna like you know find those replays and save it and be like hey look at this stuff like you know I can understand blocking like two or three of these or auto parrying this but like this guy's doing it on like a 90% clip. Like this is, you know, that doesn't happen. Right. Like that's the, that's the outlier. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. I, uh, it's tough. Like, I don't think that, I think that the, the, a lot of the cheating that happens too, I think it happens at the diamond and platinum levels and not the master levels, because a lot of times that people that are like relying on cheats, like they don't, they aren't very good and you can kind of just play around it and still win. I don't yeah. know if you found found that to be the case. No, no, no. I just no. So it, like, I kind of contradicted myself with what I was saying in terms of Street Fighter, right? Because I was just playing ranked, but like, I used to play Call of Duty all the time with my friends, right? And there's little exploits here and there. People would like glitch rocks and hide in rocks, right? And like, you couldn't see them, like, but you know, they can snipe you through this rock, and you know, do some kind of like glitches like that. Yeah. But then, like, yeah, at the same time, like, it, it was almost exactly what you said. Like, you would play around that. And like, you know, me and my friends would be like, oh, this idiot's hiding in the rock and like stay away from there. But then we would find ways to like, you know, get to them and, you know, eliminate them that way. Or the next time, like we would set a set a trap or a claymore or whatever near that area. So it's just like, oh, he's going to run back to that spot. Yeah, sure enough, oh, look, strategies. Yeah, okay. look at this idiot. He just he went back to the same spot. Right. So like you find ways to like find ways to like deal with that. And I mean, in the same same token, like I was playing ranked in that. So it's just like, I don't know, maybe I'm. Maybe I weighed that a little differently because like there were there were easier counters to that 
than to than to you know how how am I going to counter somebody in Street Fighter Six using a using a bot? Right, I really can't. Right, you know that's yeah, that's a that's a whole different thing. But the kicker is that they can't use the bot a hundred percent of the time, right? If it's just an anti parry thing, then you just don't like you don't or you go for throws, right? And if they tech everything, then well, then I guess you're screwed. I don't really know. (laughs) But the kicker, here's the other side of it, man, is that like they are people frequently aren't blocking, like they're busy committing to buttons all the time, right? Because they're mashing, and so all you have to do is just counter hit them. Um, yeah. so you wait for like you play you basically play like you're playing modern where you just react to whatever they're doing um or yeah. like preemptive react to whatever like preemptively guess at what they're doing and counter hit their ass because yeah. most of the cheaters i think are just you know they're mashing and jumping constantly anyway and yeah. you know like if you jump at somebody a bot's not going to save you from getting anti-aired in, in true fighter yeah i guess i don't know I, I, the thing that like um that's always that I've I've always wondered is just like, you know, yeah. If I find out like some kind of like game breaking glitch or something like that, right? Like I might I might use it once or twice just to kind of test it out and see what kind of stupid stuff I can do, right? But eventually, like the the novelty of it, it wears wears off, right? Like I don't want to I don't want to keep doing it. Like I don't mm-hmm. like the the like the, it's not fulfilling, right? Oh yeah, yeah. I got I got sixty five kills without dying, but. I was hiding in a rock the whole time, right? Or I auto parried eighty percent of this guy's, or I perfect parried eighty percent of this guy's approach, but it was the bot doing it. It wasn't really me. Like that's yeah. not fulfilling at all, right? Like eventually, like the novelty wears off. So the people that are like consistently doing it, like I always wonder, like what exactly are they getting out of it? Do they just are they just happy to like screw with people to a certain extent, or you know what what's their mindset? We got we like last couple episodes we were kind of talking on a soapbox about like dealing with loss and you know like having a good attitude and whatnot about like when you approach like practice and uh, I feel like this is that where like a motivator for somebody to break out these cheats is uh, they just really don't want to lose. <laughs> yeah, know? but see, but again, that goes back to the fulfillment thing because like we I've again I've had that happen in like Call of Duty like we'd be destroying these guys right and the next thing you know you see um it didn't happen in like the xbox but i remember like uh on the playstation the older games like there was a lot of people screwing around like i played one time at like uh cousin's house and like he was like destroying this guy next thing you know this guy's like flying to the level and i'm like oh he activated his cheats but at the same time it's like okay like i'm i'm losing or he's losing but I don't know. It doesn't. It doesn't bother me as much. It's just more like, yeah, yeah. You know, I got into your head, and now you're pissed off, and now you got to resort to these tactics. So I ultimately won. Right? I mean, and we're getting be, into yeah, we're getting into like why do we play video games at all? Because like I, we're we're two competitive players trying to break down the minds of why somebody would cheat, right? <laughs> the comp, the fact that we're competitive players in the first place means that we're playing these games for a completely different reason, um, and that's. Yeah. I think that like the game naturally segments people out. Like that's another reason why the competitive community hasn't really had to confront cheating for a while because it's like those people like they're in the community, but like, it's not really, it's never enough to actually impact the results of a tournament because the people that want the actual like thrill of the tournament, uh, they're entered the tournament and the people that are cheating are usually not entering the tournament, you know? 
Exactly. Yeah. But I mean, again, again, that goes that goes back to where we started with the whole online thing. You know, yeah. those people aren't going to show up to like Evo or offline majors, yeah. but they could potentially enter these these uh, World Warrior events and the the qualifiers and stuff like that, and and cause havoc there. Yeah. But again, I think it goes back to eventually, like. I don't know. Like you can't, like you said, you can't do it a hundred percent of the time, or it's too obvious. And then yeah. Eventually, it becomes like a kind of a reputation thing, right? Like if if Joe Schmo comes out of the woodwork, and all of a sudden he's just running through all these like killers that we know of, that's gonna be suspect right off the bat, right? Yeah. So it's just like, I mean, I don't know. It's it's weird because it's like now I'm like thinking like, how would you how would you get to the to the point to where people would actually believe like you're legit? Like you would have to be like playing regularly, maybe enter some events and like, you know, maybe not win outright your first tournament, right? Maybe just sneak in and get a top sixteen, and then okay, let me let me tune this a little bit more so I can get a top eight, and you know, kind of make your climb up there. But I was just like, I don't know, that's so much, so much more stuff you'd have to do to, to even versus try to make yourself good. legit. Yeah. yeah, versus just just playing the game and getting good. Like, what? Why would you go through all of that effort? And then I, potentially be found out. Well, the kicker is that even say, because we talked about this with Scott last week, right? Say, say you pull this off and you're able to mask the fact that you're cheating, right? And you make it up to the top. People are still going to hate you anyway. We talked about that on the last yeah. episode. Like when you win and it's not the person that everybody wanted to win, then you like, yeah. people think you're a terrible person. Like they'll, yeah. they'll think you're at, like, they'll think Bullhorn from Meta RD, yeah. like, like that. Yeah, he's a fluke, right? And, and and so it's like if this guy cheats and he does like he wins and he he wins with that and people believe it, they're still gonna call it a fluke. Yeah. <laughs> like you have to consistently win in order to get any kind of cred. And if you consistently yeah. win, they're gonna call you out for cheating now too. <laughs> yeah, maybe you just need to be uh, one of those guys that just like wins and rides off into the sunset, and then that's it. Like that was that was the you just left on top, right? And nobody's nobody's there to question you ever again. They'll want, but then they'll always wonder about that one time. Was it a fluke? Yeah. Did they did they cheat? Yeah. Yeah. Man, that just <laughs> that makes me think. That makes me go back to um. So back in Alaska, there was a. I think this was early. Early, yeah. Marvel, Marvel three, vanilla time, right? So nobody really, nobody really understands anything, or you know, they're they're just figuring stuff out. You know, damage output is ridiculous. And at the time, we had some forums online, and this guy talked about coming out to the tournament and was kind of, you know, talking trash, this and that, right? And he comes out to the tournament, and he ends up winning. I forgot who he played. I know Wesker was one of them because he was talking about how his Wesker's... Um, I think one of the quotes that we always remember was like, Wesker's not cheap. I'm just good with him, right? Or something like that. Why is it always Marvel players that talk about how good they are with a specific character? Like my Wesker, my Dolmamu dog, like that kind of <laughs> shit. Like it's always Marvel players, man. I saw that too when, when it came out of Phoenix. The same deal. Like just a bunch of random people coming out talking a bunch of shit. And I'm like, who the hell are these people? Yeah. They just want to be known as that dude that has that 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 good character. Or the, but we the didn't get that character. with Six. Like even with Six, it was like no no one talked to me about like, bragging about how great they are with a specific character or something. Maybe I did. Maybe I did. I don't know, but like, I fundamentally yeah, maybe maybe it is a Marvel thing because it's like, Marvel, yeah, I, dude. <laughs> I do see that for sure. Like, oh, he's got the best Magneto. Like his other two characters are kind of mid, but whatever. Yeah. But he's got the best Sentinel or whatever, you know. 
and it, but, uh, it's also a game that doesn't have a lot of identity because a lot of people play the same shells you know so that's that's what's funny yeah. to me <laughs> yeah well anyway so this guy came out to the tournament right 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 he, yeah. he ended up he ended up winning and then we never saw him again like he never came out to anything else ever again like he like abandoned the forums or whatever and like wow <laughs> and like he never came back yeah, he's just, just like, like every he's he's beating the game, man. Everybody was too like yeah. he was too good for everybody else. That's it. Yeah, no more. <laughs> so it was like it was it was definitely like kind of like a almost like a sore point for some people because they're like, oh no, I'm I'm sure I could beat him now, but he he never gave anybody the opportunity again. Yeah, but so those aren't the people that you rem- well, I guess now you, now that you're remembering him on the podcast, yeah. so, but no, he's like, like he's a legend in like a in a notorious way. <laughs> <laughs> We've had a couple of people like that in our local scene that have like shown up and then I, so there's another side of this man. And I actually think I've, I've experienced that, uh, is that when you're on top, you get scared of losing that position and then you don't mm-hmm. want to put yourself in a position to lose. Um, yeah, there's our, our, I can actually relate to like, this kind of sounds a lot like the Republican primary, <laughs> no, that's a good, <laughs> too much politics, but, um, and so yeah you just so i i think that there are people out there that they win and they're like they know that they're not going to win again so they just don't they just don't come out you know and mm. it's very it's i i i get that it's like hey this person's probably like like that's a dick move and you should come out and give people the opportunity to kick your shit in and get their catharsis yeah yeah but it might it comes from a weakness of character, in my opinion, uh, which is kind of judgmental for me to say. But like, at least in in my eyes, it's like if they don't want to come out and get beat on, then they're not actually interested in improve in improving. They were just interested in getting that one win, and they got the one win, and then everyone's going to move yeah. on. Um, yeah. The people that are the people that that top out in 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 learning games and getting better. Uh, are the ones that don't pick themselves back up after they lose and they don't put themselves out there to lose. Um, yeah. And that's a soapbox that I'm once again on. <laughs> <laughs> There's a little bit of projection here because I, I I have been on a break competitively too. Uh, so I'm yeah. kind of like, I think I'm in that boat, right? Where it's like, I don't, I haven't been putting myself in a position to lose. So I feel like I haven't been getting better. Um, mm. but, yeah. Anyway, that's a good way to look at it. I mean, I don't know. Just I know for a long while, yeah, it rubbed people the wrong way. The fact that like he'd never, he'd never come out again. But I mean, I don't know because I, it always, it always comes back to kind of like, I don't know. It's the competitor in me, so I would, I would have definitely came back. I, I, even though I, I think differently because yeah. like that very first tournament I went to, like I was happy to get second place. I got bodied in finals, and like. But I was happy to get second place, and I was I was hungry to go back. And then, but like even if I had ended up winning that tournament, I don't think it would have been a matter of like, well, I beat everybody here. Then I'm too good for them, right? And I don't ever want to come back, right? Or they don't deserve my time, kind of thing. Like, yeah, I would have definitely came back, and I probably would have got humbled just like I got humbled later that year after I got second place, and like I was. O2ing myself like all the time (laughs) (laughs) so like i probably would have been the same thing and then like it probably would have eaten at me but i don't know it's it's at the end of the day it's like i think yeah it does it does ultimately come down to like 
the person and like if you are truly looking to be better and improve at the game then yeah you would you would put yourself out there uh our right. friend mike and, and abe our friends mike and abe i think would say specific uh what is it specific adaptation to impose demand said mm-hmm. right it's that if you don't impose the demand on yourself which is the risk that you might lose then you're not actually going to learn how to adapt to anything yeah yeah but. i mean it's true man like you gotta that's part i don't know that's part of the part of fighting games and what's what's just kept me here for this long i mean even if i'm not playing certain games all the time like yeah like, it's part of getting good at anything man realistically yeah. it's not just like a competitive thing it's like mastery of anything requires you to fail at it first and yeah. that failure state in a competitive environment means that someone's ego is going to be like someone is going to be better than you that's the pro that's yeah. so like that's different than like learning to play a musical instrument or something that is the competitive yeah. side but like it yeah. still is ultimately about taking your lumps whether that's like like on the guitar like if i'm playing learning guitar then like I'm not going to be able to play the song when I first try it, you know, uh, like yeah. I'm going to mess up and it's how you hand, like if someone, if someone was learning guitar, like they learned fighting games and like, you know, like someone loses and they throw their stick. Can you imagine like I played the chord wrong and I'm like, Fuck this and I throw my guitar. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, makes you, that makes me think about like the, the fact that you were like, yeah, this applies to real life too. It just, it made me think about like my flight lessons because like, the first, the first three. So, <laughs> yeah. so I'm through five, right? I went, I've gone through five. The first three, I was out flying. The fourth one, it was just like a classroom thing. Yeah. yeah. The fifth one, like something threw off my routine. Like we didn't get the like the keys for the plane and everything, and like I was kind of all out of sorts, right? Like doing everything, like I would normally do beforehand. And then my instructor comes out and he goes, "Hey, how's it going with all this like pre-flight stuff you're supposed to do?" And my mind's kind of like frazzled because we kind of, you know, we have like these checklist things we got to do. And like, you know, normally you go sequential order or whatever. Yeah. And my mind, like when, once that thing, once I got thrown out of my, my routine, like it kind of messed up everything. Like I wasn't able to compartmentalize like certain things, like do this, do this, and then come back to this. Like, you know, I was fixated on like trying to do the sequence. And when I couldn't do it, like it messed me yeah. all up. I and know exactly like, what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. It ended up like, catching up to me later because during during our lesson when we we're flying like the certain things i was doing great in other parts like i felt like i regressed a lot and just the, the, the feedback he was giving me he's like oh you seem like you're rushed does everything okay you know this and that and i'm just like eventually like i opened up and i was like i think it's because of this what happened at the very beginning it kind of just threw me off and he goes well there you go that's a lesson to be learned because you know things aren't always going to go go swimmingly for you you know during your pre pre-flight sequence or whatever right something's gonna throw a wrench in there and you're gonna be like ah shit and you gotta learn to like put that aside and be like all right let me just continue on with what i'm supposed to do and yeah that's that's literally why you're there right i've heard from like yeah. my friends who are pilots that like the, the plane flies itself once you take off right like you're not yeah. like they like my, my my old boss would even like put the visors up on the windshield so he couldn't even see the sky he would just sit, yeah. sit at the cockpit after a while and he just like watch the instruments. So the, 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 the human is there for when shit goes south and they have to adapt and make a judgment call that the autopilot couldn't. Right. And so I think yeah. that's what you're practicing more than anything else. Yeah. Yeah. I was just I was, like, yeah, just, <laughs> I, I was waiting for you to say that the, your, your instructor did that to you on purpose or something to deli- deliberately throw you off, you know? 
Um, yeah, honestly, I don't think I don't think he did. I like he he looked like legitimately concerned about like the the like the keys missing or whatever, and sure. it ended up being the fault of the previous like instructor and student. Like they they were lax on a lot of other things that uh, yeah he wasn't very happy about because he's like one of like the chief the chief pilot guys there. Sure. He's like, oh man, I'm gonna have a talk with this this previous instructor because like there was a lot of things that were just not supposed to be where they're you know. The keys yeah. were actually like left in there and they're not supposed to be in the in the plane and all this other stuff. And he's like, oh man, like this is gonna be a big learning opportunity for them. And it ended up being a big learning opportunity, a learning opportunity for myself too. And it's just like, but I already like see the said, parallel like in fighting it. games there, man. Like yeah. it's like it's like when you know if someone's got their flow chart going and then you like disrupt it with some random option that they weren't accounting for, and then suddenly uh-huh. their their flow charts in shambles. Or yeah. like someone drops a combo and then suddenly they they aren't able to like recover from that and they they take a big risk afterwards because yep. they're yeah, frustrated that, they bought yeah. they dropped the combo you know yeah, see that all the time yeah I dropped my game winning combo I was like oh man yeah. I got knocked down level three like I then I just lost a round like oh <laughs> that's what we yep. should do for our podcast is just find examples of things that we do in life and then relate it back to fighting games <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you dragon punch through my mix-up. Oh man, maybe I shouldn't do that anymore. No, 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 no. I, you know, I've, I've equated some like because you know, like you talk about some fighting games being like a conversation, right? Like you're mm-hmm. like, oh, how do you react to this mix-up? How do you react to that mix-up? And you play against that person that's not thinking and they're just doing yeah. stuff. That's the equivalent of a, a, like a somebody that's just like shouting at you. Yeah, uh, that's what I was gonna say. Like, yeah, they're right? just yelling at you. They, they don't give a they don't, shit about what you're saying. Yeah. yeah, they don't care about what I have to say. <laughs> this is what this is what's happening, John. All right, we're gonna go do this, and this is what we're gonna do. It doesn't matter what you think. Like, what? <laughs> yep, that's yeah, exactly. Like, right, John, Condor Spire. About this. All right, good <laughs> yep. block there, buddy. Nah, he's like, <laughs> that's a that's a perfect analogy, man. Because that's exactly how I feel when like people are just kind of like rushing me down, and I'm just like, it's supposed to be my turn. Like you are just taking your turn constantly, and like. I don't know. Those sometimes sometimes those those are the best games too because like like you said once you once you interrupt that and you kind of throw everything that they're doing out of the window, yeah. Then you start seeing like, oh, you don't want to jump anymore. Oh, you yeah. you don't want to throw fireballs anymore. Okay. It's start it's fun because like, or like you you get that person where they know that you know the counter and they just they double down anyway because it turns into like a like a bluffing game where it's like I I know that you know but you need to prove it to me. And you need to you need to commit to this counter, and and hope that I did I do the same thing three times in a row, right? And then yeah. then the conversation happens where you're like, oh, you're you're talking through the game through these mix-ups with each other, and you're acknowledging. I don't know. It's that's the best part of the fighting game to me. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, man, for sure, man. That's how you catch those people that are like doing like unsafe level threes. Yep. Those are, yep. Those are the best. Like I had like I lost the set to this guy the other day. Yeah, but like in the middle of it, like the first round, it was like him just kind of, you know, rushing me down. Right. Second one, I finally slowed down. I started, I stopped pressing buttons because I, I realized that he was wanting to force his turn. And then I think we were tied in the second game and I was looking at my life and he had like no life at all. And I was like, the minute I do something, level three is coming out because he thinks I'm going to jab or do something right here. And yeah. sure enough, like, I think I did like a drill. And then I just like held block and sure enough, I see Ken level three startup and I'm like, gotcha. But then yeah. I ended up losing the next round, but I was just like, just that, that moment in time, I was just like, 
I was like, man, it felt so good. Yeah, when you know when you know the read, and then when you're when you have the read and you're right, and then you know then your opponent recognizes that you're right and they freak out about it or they have some kind of reaction to that. And you're like, I did that. That's super cool. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, this has been the absolute guard podcast episode 64 with John and Benny. And I am saying that after every single one. Now, um, <laughs> you, can, you can find us on Twitch at twitch.tv slash spiral series, YouTube at youtube.com slash spiral series and on Apple podcasts and Spotify under absolute guard. Any shout outs on the way out here, Benny? Uh, uh man, I'm just <laughs> grateful to be doing this. It's, uh, again, like you said, like we plan around it. Um, it's a part of my routine. So it's like, I think I just gotta, gotta start doing that with some other things in my life and applying, applying the same kind of thing to that. I'm doing the same thing, man. And yeah. hopefully that whoever's listening to this podcast, you are also doing that while you listen to us. You don't have yeah. to, <laughs> like you can multitask, right? <laughs> that's, yeah. that's the key. The key. So, it's not just fighting game lessons it's, it's real life lessons too remember last yeah. time i said like make some new friends this one um <laughs> <laughs> yeah. find there some new go. friends that was our lesson last time this one i forgot about that i haven't listened to our most recent episode yet we said find some new friends <laughs> yeah oh, because man. it was the, i forgot <laughs> yeah, no, 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 i'm thinking about why i said that oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it, was it, was, about, it was it was about expanding like the, the the people that you you know you don't have to be pigeonholed into playing street fighter 6 go play a different game and make some new friends that play other games if you don't like this game yeah like <laughs> um like gundam versus or uh the kill a kill arena battler <laughs> yeah find cool. those guys there's somebody out there that's playing that that you'll have you'll make a new friend with and they'll be like hey i'm not the only one playing this anymore we'll call it there ggs <laughs> yep Thank you.